2: We're going to be talking to Madame Ruth Dreyfus, the former president of Switzerland. Yes, we got a world leader on the Distraction Pieces Network. So this is Stop and Search on the Distraction Pieces Network. Brought to you by Acast, in association with the UK. Here we go. Behind your barricade. so much for joining us. And as I said, we're joined by Madam Ruth Dreyfus, the former president of Switzerland. Now, how this one came about is that Madam Ruth Dreyfus now works with the Global Commission on Drug Policy. They're a group of world leaders, Sir Richard Branson, Sir Nick Clegg, uh, the former president of Nigeria, Helen Clark, the former president of New Zealand. And of course, Madam Dreyfus chairs this. What they do is they put out reports and a, a lean on opinion on drug policy. And their new report, which has just come out, called The World Drug Perception Problem, because, yeah, we, we have a drug problem, but it may not quite be what we think. And we're going to get into that with Madden Ruth Dreyfus. So I need to thank Eric from the Global Commission for helping to set this up. Um, and if you want any scrolling links and extra content, then it's going to be on acast.com slash stop and search. And just have a look there and get familiar with all the different information we're putting out there. So if you want to follow us, go to at UKLEAP on Twitter, at UKLEAP on Instagram. Uh, UKLEAP.org over Facebook and of course on the internet UKLEAP.org. So here we go, let's talk to Madam Ruth Dreyfus from the Global Commission. What is the world of drug perception problem then? This is Stop a Search. Um, so today is a day where we're talking about the Global Commission. Um, it's got a new report out which I'm not just saying this because you're in front of me, but it is a brilliant report because it focuses on areas that we don't normally speak about, which is the drug consumer. And this is an area that I think the conversation needs to be more applied to. Do you agree?
3: Until now, we published six uh, reports and they all were about how to change drug policy. But uh, we felt that uh, every change has to begin with a better understanding of uh, who are the people who use drugs but also what is the link between the perception the population have about uh, the substance and the people who use the substance because uh, there is a kind of vicious circle between how you perceive a problem how you stigmatize people who are uh, using drugs, how from stigmatization to go to discrimination, which means practical uh, change in the life of these people and their acceptance by society. And then it is a very little step to go to say, okay, they are criminals, uh, so let them be punished. And if they are punished, that's a good reason to stigmatize, to declare, and so on. So we thought that uh, as opinion leaders, as we we are all, uh, because of our former experience and responsibility, uh, we should really be vocal on the perception. We are a group of uh, responsible people, elderly people and so on and we think our voice can really show that uh, we have to consider drug users as citizens, as all other citizens with all their rights and that we don't have to judge their attitude as long as this attitude is not negative for other people.
2: And that's really interesting what you said about the Global Commission, because there are going to be some people that listen to this podcast specifically that are not aware of what's going on in drug policy. So how would you describe the work and the members of, of the Global Commission on Drug Policy?
3: The Global Commission on Drug Policy is a self-mandated commission. I mean, we decided to, as citizens of the world, uh, to continue to be active in uh, advocating for changes in uh, in the drug policy. We thought it was our responsibility on one side because we were also... Some of us, for instance, thought that uh, when they had the power to change the things, they didn't know enough to do it. And it was a kind of remorse uh, that brought them to say, now we have really to fight for change. Others had experienced part experience about how change is possible. So that this initiative was taken, um, if I take the situation now of the Global Commission, by 25 members, uh, half of them being former head of states or head of government, others being leaders in the cultural life, in the economic life. We are very proud to have uh, uh, people who, like uh, Richard Ransom, for instance, who played a very important role in the economic life, but also as uh, uh, one uh, promoting and inspiring uh, uh, new policies in environment, health, and so on. So this is the kind of people we brought to together And what is interesting is really that uh, we are working together, we are studying together, we are in a kind of uh, work in progress since six years. uh, We are really learning every day more about uh, the failure of drug policy, about positive experiences, uh, but also about the. what I told uh, being a a vicious circle that uh, makes it difficult to bring change. And this vicious circle is not only on national or local level between uh, population and authorities, but also on the international level where the international conventions are full of uh, misconception about the drug issue they are full of words like uh, this substance are evil uh, showing that if somebody use evil substances he is himself uh, in uh, at risk to be an evil
2: and there's a great infographic in the latest uh, global commission report that does literally show that vicious cycle of language of what that can perpetuate and i think that's an area that this report specifically addresses is the key aspect of language
3: yes it is the first time that we are not speaking uh, only about the measures that should be taken but about the view the population and the authorities have on the issue and makes it so difficult to to change so uh, breaking this uh, circle is uh, is absolutely key
2: and it's it's a brilliant aspect to the report as well that you've got testimonies from drug consumers because this is an area again we're just not addressing is that we're talking in terms of, of policy language of course we, we need to do but giving a voice to the people that are actually out there on the front lines consuming substances that's that's quite a, an achievement that you managed to do i think
3: it's not only to give them voice this was also made in the past but to give the opportunity to the reader uh, to see that there are people like uh, you and and me, that there are people who are able, for instance, to control their consumption, that there are people who have no link at all with criminal activities, that uh, people are good fathers, good mothers, uh, working people, and uh, that the main problem they have is not to uh, their relationship with the substance, but is the relationship with uh, the, the 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 opinion of the of the people around them, of their environment, of the criminalization uh, they are uh, confronted with, and that uh, well, it is one more to understand that even if substances can harm people, uh, uh, using them, the atmosphere in which they are consumed, the political setting in which they are consumed, the fear to be uh, criminalized and so on, makes it much more harmful than the substance itself may
2: we, we've got this uh, perception issue, and this is something the report again addresses, that all drugs under this moniker of drugs are harmful and bad, uh, are going to be a, a blight on society. And yet we're still not addressing things like alcohol and how much that has an impact on society because we're putting them into these, these arbitrary categories. Um, how do we go about readdressing that balance in, in the general public's mind of... Everybody is a drug user within this conversation.
3: Well, I think what is very important is to have a a more rational view on these different substances their history, their cultural background. and uh, It is not uh, for us uh, a matter to uh, say that these substances should be consumed in a large number and without control. I mean, I was a minister of health for 10 years and I had to fight against... uh, uh, a situation that is more problematic than the situation of the drug use and uh, this is the use of tobacco and the use of alcohol. But what we see and, uh, and what we publish also in this report once more is that there is no evidence-based analysis about the harm caused by different substances. Uh, and uh, it is very important to give voice also here to a scientific uh, to a scientific view of uh, the pharmaceutical uh, content of of some substances but also the setting in which they are used uh, role that criminal organization can play in putting always harder harsher drugs on the market or trying to attract people at a very young age uh, this is the reason why in our different proposal to to reform clearly uh, one we we think uh, is uh, the only one that will bring a very coherence to the whole way we address the uh, problem of psychoactive substances is that they should all be under the control of the state and not in criminal hands.
2: Um, so One of the things that you were really a major part of was um, what's been dubbed Needle Park in Zurich. Um, the first real time that heroin use has been assessed Um, but it also looked at the demographics that were consuming heroin at the time and contrary to belief it wasn't just the other the the person on the street the ones that we associate with in quotation marks dropouts these were normal people again in quotation marks again do you think we're going to be able to have a conversation anytime soon where people realize that we're talking about our sons our mothers our daughters just ordinary people
3: this is, uh, is very important to say, and uh, I think uh, when I try to explain to the Swiss population that we have now to open the way, uh, for instance, for more substitution therapy or inclusive uh, heroin-based uh, therapy and harm reduction measures, I, I often spoke about our kids and, uh, and I think this was well understood. It was well understood also because we gave also the possibility for the families of people who were, who had uh, uh, drug use disorders, who couldn't control their uh, consumption. Uh, we associated also the parents and the peers. Uh, just to 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 say an anecdote in in bern where we we had also a little open scene or needle park as it was called in that time once a week the the people being in uh, high school well 15 16 years old uh, young people went every week once uh, once a week to bring food and to speak with the people who were there and this was so beautiful to see that, uh, well, they were peers in the real sense of the world. They never considered the people they spoke with them uh, once a week were different than they were. And we had also the support of many families who were so despaired because they didn't know how to react. And I am always speaking here about people who were in difficulty uh, through their uh, use of um, of heroin, for instance, and other drugs, and uh, not the people the majority of people who are able to control their consumption, but these people brought their parents, their family, their beloved one once in a very difficult situation. they couldn't know to be cooperative to help the people, to receive the money, for instance, to buy the stuff, or in the country, to to cut a relationship with them. So they were so despaired that they were asking the state to find the solution and to bring back those, they had the impression they had lost them in the open scene and in this problematic use. So yes I think it's very important it's very important to see not only the person who use drug to make the difference between those who are able to control it and those who are uh, becoming uh, dependent and because it is illegal being also marginalized and uh, and Perhaps having activities that are uh, deal or prostitution and so on because they have to find the money or thieves also in the street to have the money to buy the stuff that was so necessary for them. Uh, But on the other side also to, to see the whole environment, the families, but also the neighborhoods. Take an example installing a safe consumption room is not only helping the people where they can without being harassed either by the police or by the dealer a place where they can just rest and consume in a, in a safe atmosphere with the help of uh, of professionals uh, that are here uh, to to avoid overdoses and and uh, to bring some uh, some uh, medical support. Uh, but you, for the whole neighborhood, it was something very positive because you had no longer people just uh, lying around. You don't have uh, uh, syringes being uh, forgotten somewhere. So, I mean, it was really necessary at the beginning to explain that it was not a place to attract problems, but a place to solve problems. Selling a little or a lot?
1: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
2: And that's what the Global Commission broadly, as well as this report, advocates, isn't it? A move from complete enforcement over to more of a not a medicalization, but more in the, in the terms of what we can do in social buffering so that we can have more intervention, more in a way of supporting people.
3: Yeah, I mean, uh, we we resist to to the medicalization of the drug uh, topic because for the majority of people, it is not a medical problem. Yeah. Or let's say it's a problem that is similar to the public health problem that we have with alcohol or with tobacco, uh, but also a problem that is uh, more serious because it is illegal. But um, what, is, uh, what is important is to, uh, to say that uh, the access to medical services, when they are needed... Uh, is so important. And in our last report, we show that there are also obstacles coming from this false perception of who are the people who consume drugs uh, to the services. There are countries where you do not receive the service you, you need uh, before being what is called clean. And when you say clean, you immediately think that uh, if you are not clean, you are, you are the opposite. So uh, you have a, a hospital who are very reluctant, which are very reluctant to accept people because it's true, they might be difficult uh, patients. Uh, because they have generally more than one problem if they have a drug abuse uh, problem. Uh, They have also, I saw it, I witnessed also uh, 20 years ago that some of the people, because they were abandoned, because they were uh, homeless, because they were jobless, because they were living just at the margin of the population, they had some wants that were like war ones, terrible abscesses. uh, And they were uh, in difficulty to find the access to the services they they needed just to be, to keep uh, a health status that was acceptable. Yes, so for us, what is very important is to work on, I would say, three different levels. One level is really, the pragmatic answer the pragmatic answer is not to hide the reality to be to see this wants to see the difficult situation of some uh, marginalized people to see that it is a problem of repression that is uh, more uh, targeting uh, poor people targeting colored people targeting uh, people who are in difficulty for other reasons also. Uh, This is the pragmatic approach. And the pragmatic approach is the harm reduction approach. The second level and the access to to treatment when needed. The second level is the scientific-based level. And there you have really on one side to have a real... uh, approach, uh, serene approach to these different substances. And these substances are not evil, as it is said in the convention. These substances are often double purpose. They are medicine and they are illicit drugs. And uh, this double character makes it, for instance, very difficult in many countries to access to painkillers Because a painkiller is also often the most efficient painkiller. morphium, is also on the list of controlled uh, uh, drugs. So having a real analysis about what are these substances for what they are good, for what they may be harmful, uh, and to know also that uh, having a more a uh, balance policy will help to have better products also on the market uh, than uh, if it is just in the hands of criminal organization, so the second level is the scientific evidence based It has also the aspect that you have to experiment new ways to inform the population about the good and the negative consequences of what you are trying, so to have an experimental policy, not just to to know from from scratch what should be good for the people, but to look really what are the effects of these policies. And for us, it's clear, 50 years of drug uh, prohibition had more, far more negative uh, effect than uh, positive ones. And uh, the the higher level is the level we try to analyze in in this uh, last report. And it is really the level of... uh, the perception. Why is it so that some substances are considered as evil? How is it so that people coming in contact with these substances are, from the beginning, considered as bad people? You know, the Attorney General of the U.S., Mr. Session, said last year, and you know that he is trying to to, to go be to, 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 to go back to a more uh, rigid policy also uh, what uh, concerning cannabis uh, uh, he said, well, uh, good people do not uh, use cannabis okay if you say that, you say to a whole population that people and I think it's uh, quite a majority of the people who once in their life tried cannabis are bad people. And this will be the rationale for a bad policy.
2: And that is the case, isn't it, that we're getting to this polarisation now where the reform movement has built to quite a degree that on evidence and science, but we are getting pushbacks from the same rhetoric that's been fueling the war on drugs for the last x amount of years of good versus bad people are still associated with certain drugs as being dirty bad drugs drug users uh, and we've used the example of heroin injection predominantly these are the people that are the scapegoats mostly in society um do you think we are getting closer to being able to destigmatize our language and this is something the report really does focus on
3: i think so and uh we have the good example of uh, fighting the epidemic of uh, of uh, the, uh, aids uh, uh, for many many years uh, the vocabulary was uh, people with aids or uh, in french it was it was terrible sida uh, i mean the people were reduced to one characteristic they were bearer of the virus, but they were no longer considered as a person. And this changed. Nobody would now speak uh, in the same language. Now we are speaking about people living with AIDS. And this is a big change. So let us make the next step and speak about people who use drugs. They are not drug addicts, they are not drug users, they are persons in the first line.
2: And you make the, I think most people would be surprised by this figure that it's around about 9 to 11% of drug users uh, tend to be problematic and 90% tend not to be. And this is something that we don't necessarily realize in society that most people that consume drugs do so without any problem whatsoever.
3: Sure, but uh, the people know by experience, for instance, that you can drink a glass of wine per day without being uh, uh, dependent on on alcohol. The same can be for, well, for tobacco. It's more difficult because tobacco is really addictive, but at least it has no violent consequences as alcohol, can, uh, alcohol abuse can uh, can bring uh but we we have to to show really uh that uh, well it is something humanity has always done and it is looking for substances that can bring different moods huh some mood can be more you can find some joy or lose some inhibitions or be calm I mean uh, I I I am still a smoker I do not smoke now but I'm still a smoker because I uh, I I was dependent on on smoking and uh, I could rebegin immediately if I wouldn't have decided that uh, this is not a good thing to do mainly for a former minister of health uh, but uh, I know from experience that it, w- it had a really calming effect on me. When I was stressed, I felt that the cigarette was a good way to calm down. Uh, you have people who need cannabis to sleep well. Uh, others, uh, for instance, people with, uh, living with AIDS or uh, people living with cancer need cannabis to have appetite. And uh, to be able to, to eat normally, so yes, uh, all these substances has uh, reasons to be used or not, uh, social reason, medical reason, all kinds of reasons, cult- uh, cult- uh, religious uh, reasons. And humanity has always looked for these substances. You know, not only humanity, even animals are eager from time to time. Uh, I know uh, living in a region with wine yard, when you put uh, the the end of the wine production, eh, it's called mar in French, you see birds coming and they are eating this, uh, what, what comes out from this uh, process, until they are drunk, it's very funny to see a bird being drunk, but they like it, so it's not to uh the use there is a, there are risks, but these risks are really over uh overstated over uh, considered because uh people are also rational they can also control what they are doing
2: do you think that we're getting any closer? Uh, and because the UK is very sti- uh, still quite stalled on the utilisation of cannabis as a medicine and, and things like that. Do you think we're getting any better at addressing that subject? We work with an organisation called United Patients Alliance that's still out there fighting as we speak to get legitimacy in the conditions that they're dealing with, wanting to use cannabis to alleviate. Are we getting any better in this front?
3: Well we on one side we have a pharmaceutical industry that is interested into uh, the galenic form of cannabis I mean Sativex, for instance in my country can be uh, prescribed for people with multiple sclerosis but it's a very expensive uh, drug uh, it cannot be prescribed for other uh, symptoms or, or disease diagnostic, uh, but but you cannot take a joint, uh, which would have perhaps uh, the same uh, the same effect. Not knowing exactly what is in the joint, I mean, it's not exactly uh, the same way, but it can have a similar effect. So um, I think with cannabis we have the problem that it was put, which is really un rational has no relationship with the substance itself it is put in the scheduling of uh, of uh, drugs on the highest level it is on the level of heroin and cocaine and without medical possibilities to use which is silly but it was also an obstacle to make clinical research to know exactly uh, what are the different active substances into the cannabis, and there are perhaps 100 different, some, some balancing the effect of others, as you know, between THC and CBD. Uh, and uh, we, we, are, we have a lack of uh, clinical studies about what cannabis is really good for, uh, or what are the effects? It's beginning. Israel is a place with huge research on cannabis. We have this example of uh, cannabis being now used in isolated cases for this epileptic uh, disease for very young children and very terrible forms of uh, epilepsy. So my hope is on one side that we will have more knowledge when we accept the idea that cannabis is what it was in the past also, a medical uh, device or a medical uh, substance. In the meantime, that it is just uh, a mood-changing substance. So, yes, I think it's changing. We don't know exactly what will happen in the United States, where we have an ideological... Uh, battle against the states that, uh, with the support of a a majority of the population, wanted really to introduce cannabis in a controlled market. But uh, yes, I think cannabis is, in my view, the easiest problem to to solve because it's something that uh, the experience with alcohol, with tobacco might show the way for a smart regulation. Uh, others are more difficult to regulate. I think uh, it can go even to the prescription medicine not sold in pharmacy but only in special day clinics or so. We will have a whole range of uh, different ways of regulation. What is important is to know when it is regulated, it is let less harmful. When it is regulated, we avoid also what we call the iron law of prohibition, which brings the criminal organization to focus on the more potent and the more uh, beneficial, uh, in the sense of money, uh, substance uh, the Famous example that beer more or less disappeared during the prohibition of alcohol, in favor of whiskey, is a good illustration because uh, if you have to smuggle something, if you have to take the risk of Caesar by uh, by the police. Uh, you concentrate on what brings more money and not what uh, the people would like to prefer, perhaps to have an enjoyable evening together. We have different uh, views on one on one side we will continue. Uh, with what we call more technical reports, we had report on HIV on hepatitis C uh, on the opioids crisis in the in uh, North America. Uh, we will continue also with the explosion or the risk let's say of uh, uh, resistant tuberculosis, which is also fueled by the situation of uh, um, by the drug policy and by the incarcer- mass incarceration uh, in, some, in some countries. Um, we will also show the link because, I mean, we are, we are eager to show that the drug policy is linked with the fight against poverty, the fight for human rights, the fight for, for housing, the fight for economic uh, possibilities. I mean, many people are in the drug business on the low scale because they are have no alternative to have an existence, so uh we will also show the relationship between direct policy and all the uh, sustainable development goals uh, and I think we are linked with all the seventeen uh, i think uh, goals that are uh, recognized as uh, goals for the humanity until uh, uh, twenty thirty uh, we will also uh, go further in the proposal for the regulation of market, showing the different models uh, can be uh, chosen depending of the harm caused by some substances. Uh, and we will continue mainly also to develop uh, country-to-country advocacy uh, to organize the mayors of cities because I think uh, cities are the place where innovation takes place and where the worst problems perhaps are also now uh, located of marginalization and, and so on. And we uh, are eager to organize on the model of uh, what the uh, West African Commission on Drug uh, was doing to organize regional approaches uh, of the drug issue because we speak always about the world uh, drug problem we speak about the world uh, drug perception problem but what is clear it is there is a huge difference even if the basis of prohibition is the same in all over the world there are big differences in the different culture and uh, and country and region so that we have really to to help this different region to find their common policy uh, that would be a policy of respect of human rights, access to health, and uh, fighting against the criminal organization in the sense of taking off their hands what can be controlled by the state.
2: Well, again, I can't thank Madame Ruth Dreyfus enough for that. I was just fascinated and it was just such a privilege to be in her company she's such a brilliant person um, and English isn't her first language but you wouldn't know it because she's, she's just so eloquent with it so thank you so much to Global Commission thank you Eric from Global Commission and thank you Madam Ruth Dreyfus so and a few more thank yous as you know if you're a regular listener we need to thank my name is Ad for all the artwork he does for us thank you so much Ad and also thank you so much Nikki and Tristan the producers that do so much work for us thank you for all you do on this podcast thank you to Scroobius Pip for having us on his network and make sure he's had some brilliant guests already in 2018 so make sure you listen to Scroobius also make sure you listen to the rest of the Distraction Pieces gang so we've got Tuesday Night Joy Jim Smallman we have Susie goes, Say Why to Drugs and we have the Hardcore Listening Guys with Christian Stew. so make sure you listen to all of them they're fantastic brilliant entertainment great for a trip home I think that's it. Um, also, of course, yeah, I need to thank John, our social media guy, who does so much for us at our events as well. And of course, the whole UK League team. We're such a, a diverse, broad, spread out team across the country. Make sure you look on our website at ukleague.org, see what we're doing, keep up to date with us. Make sure you keep in contact with the Global Commission as well and all of what they're doing. And I'll see you next time. Thank you so much for joining us. Bye. Behind your